benders and non-benders alike, welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. One of our favorite episodes of season two was, of course, the tales of Ba Sing Se. Zuko dating, Toffin makeup, Uncle Iroh's song. No, no, don't you bring up that song. Don't make me cry this early in the episode, Dean. Don't you dare. Don't do it. All right, we are very excited to resurface our conversation with the lovely Danielle Radford on all the amazing events that happened during this episode, and we are excited for you all to re-engage. And most importantly, we're excited for all of you to relive the birth of Zuko's developing his fiery, spicy game. Okay, I feel like that's enough of that. We're going to see plenty of that in the episode. Uh, let's go in. How many times you cried rewatching The Tales of Ba Sing Se? <laughs> How many times did I cry? I'm going to say conservatively, probably eight. I'm going to say definitely I cry more than once per yeah. story. So no. let's throw in two extra cries. I feel like maybe that covers it, but I'm not even sure. It's a lot. I totally feel you. My cry count, very high this episode. Um, Thank you. Very well known as, uh, uh, for folks who know me now, I am a crier. Like, you hit me with a sad face. You hit me with that sad music. I am bawling my eyes out. Uh, Definitely had to reapply some concealer. I (laughs) love this episode. It's so good. I can't wait to get into it because there are so many of these, like, little tiny moments which are what make the Avatar verse what it is and what makes it so special. I took notes. <laughs> Nerd alert. Uh, Dante, remind everybody, when we last had Danielle, what was the episode that she did with us last season? Well, we did the Great Divide <laughs> debate, <laughs> is what I remember. That was right, because it was what? It was me and Hector, right? Yes, you and Hector. My baby, my love. And you know, that episode really changed my mind. Maybe it changed a lot of people's minds out there, you guys. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of social divide. media interaction on that episode, for sure. Going yeah. into the episode, it was known as like, maybe the least liked episode of Avatar right. The Last Airbender. Yeah. And I think we helped to raise it up on the ladder a little bit with that particular I think podcast. sometimes you just need to like hear an alternate um, opinion and not like a fight. It's not a debate. No one's opinion is wrong. Art is subjective. But sometimes when you hear someone very passionately talk about what their opinion is, you go, you know what? That's something I didn't think about. Absolutely. New new perspectives. Also, I don't know that that many people thought of it in terms of whether it's thriller or filler. And we concluded (laughs) that it's thriller. It is thriller. (laughs) And you coined that and that was amazing. Now, Danielle, are you you excited to be with us for this super... You went from maybe the least loved episode to one of the most beloved episodes in the series. Are you excited? Oh my gosh. I am so happy to be here. This is one of my favorite episodes of the series for sure. Because I always love those like a look into the life, a look of what happened, getting a peek into the inner life. Plus this is kind of, it's one of those episodes where everyone gets their moment to shine. And there are so many of these micro sweet moments, we get so many of the things that make the Avatar verse what it is. We get cabbages. Like it's so much. It's all in this episode. It's Do you have all a favorite tale of the tales of Bossing Say? And you don't say it yet. We'll, we'll discuss that mm-hmm. at the end. But I just want okay. to plant that seed in your mind. <laughs> I know which one you think it is, and you're probably I don't know. right. I don't know. You I don't know, know which one you want it to be, Dante, and you're right. I know my favorite tale. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
many cloaked meanings here. I'm loving every exactly. second of it because it's, it's very mysterious. Not unlike the City of Walls and Secrets, also known as Ba Sing Se. Yes. Which we just came from. Yes. Just revisit where we are in the series. Of course, we, we did, like Janet just said, we just learned all about the City of Walls and Secrets, joined by one of mm. our two dads, Brian Konetsko, which is amazing, as yes. always. So... We know that there are some very mysterious stuff happening in Bossing Say, and I'm not just talking mm-hmm. about a bear who's only a bear. But <laughs> this episode of Avatar <laughs> isn't about giving us those answers. Instead, yes, indeed. Okay, well, we've talked around it, we've talked about it, we haven't even got into it yet, but we, we all know it's a beautiful set of vignettes about each of, well, you say mm-hmm. each, each of the main characters' adventures. Some of them are together, some of them are sort of more solo, some of them don't have a whole lot of dialogue. Um, right. And it just gives that beautiful peek into exactly what Danielle was saying, the sort of peek into, we get a lot of sense of the inner monologue of characters in the show as it is, but I think you're mm-hmm. so right, Danielle. This is like, it just goes a little bit deeper and that's one of the reasons that it's so moving. I'm not going to go into like a recap of what everyone's day is and, and you know, what everyone's tale is, because mm-hmm. I know we're going to talk about when we get there. But shout out to the many, many writers on this episode. Yes. Each tale was written yes. by a different person. They're all members of the Avatar family. But um, for many of them, they weren't writers. And so they wrote this and then went back to doing, you know, the other thing that they were brilliantly contributing to. So um, shout out to Joanne Estoes. I saw that when I was watching this time. I'm like, oh, John Collar wrote this like Lauren wrote this like what yeah, I was like hold on a second exactly yeah it's great in fact you know what we'll save the writing credits for each tale so you know who mm. wrote each tale you can put it into that context as we're talking about it we also had Elizabeth Welch and our friend John O'Brien as story editors right. and uh, shout out to director Ethan Spaulding who we've also had on the show love him and also want to just acknowledge uh, Aaron Ehas it was his idea to do this series of vignettes and oh, wow one more shout out to Joaquin DeSantos, who this was his first time storyboarding. Uh, it's his oh, first wow. time joining the Avatar family. And oh. he went on to be such a huge part of the Avatarverse, including being so important for Korra, directing and writing and just being generally um, an amazing presence in the Avatarverse. So love that, too, on top of everything else that's happening here, we also have the addition of Joaquin. And then, of course, we say it's one of our favorite episodes. We already know from past social media interaction and just yes. like general mm. hubbub and talking at cons and stuff. This is definitely one of the fandom's most beloved episodes. Well, why don't you start us off? Tell us about the tale of Toph and Katara. I will. Let's start it off. You know, and I will say what's crazy is, as a lot of people out there know, this is my first time watching the whole series in chronological order. So to come from the Walls and Secrets uh, and, mm. you know, they, they can't do what they want to do, right? We found out. And so they're like, you just got to hang out in the city. And then the next episode, like, oh. This is them actually just hanging out in the city doing exactly what <laughs> totally. I was like, okay, that's what they're doing. And then, because I don't think of the tales of Boston is very romantic in my mind, and like the tales and vignettes. I was like, oh, they're actually just doing what Long Fang and then Tona do. That's a great point. Yeah. I think in a lot of shows, we get those moments of where it is, hey, like this is, you're waiting for this big thing or this big confrontation or whatever. It's not going to get there. So we're all just hanging out. And usually we get those in a little bit. And then the end, it's like, okay, well now all of these stories are going to come together and they're all going to have to fight something. And this is, no, No. we're just going to see the inner lives and what these folks do. No superheroing here. Just hang out. And they're like, okay, let's just hang out then. Yeah. I'll jump into the first one, The Tale of Toph and Katara, written by Joanne Estuesta and Lisa Wallander. Guest starring Melinda Clark as Madame Mahmoud Ling. Opening, 
It's a personal grooming for the whole team avatar, except Toph. And this is the first time we actually see Aang shaving his head, which is really interesting. And then also the first time we see facial hair on Sokka, which was hilarious because, you know, they're teenagers and they got that. It was like that wispy, soft little... (laughs) I've seen that mustache on a lot of prom pictures of my friends. Oh, we I gotta tell you. Hold that as long yeah, as you yeah. can. <laughs> so then we go to the girls and Toph is a mess. Toph's hair is a mess. Uh-huh. And so, <laughs> Katara, which is surprising, is like, you know, let's go get done did up. Let's get uh-huh. our nails and hair done did. Uh-huh. We're going to get our nails. We're going to get our toes. The fancy lady day spa sounds like my kind of place. Are you ready for some serious pampering? Sure, Katara. Whatever you say. As long as they don't touch my feet. And then I started realizing, oh yeah, these are all kind of like rich kids. They all know what's popping. And so Katara ends up taking Toph to the spa. And they do all these really cool things. They they actually use their bending and all the stuff they're doing from the mud. Her bending mud on the mud face to, you know, Katara water bending on the sauna to make it hotter is very cool. They get out, they get all made up and the other thing I remember, the, the foot massage, you know how top is with her feet, and uh-huh. they were doing the shaving of the foot. And I actually got that done recently, and I'm uh-huh. not a big pedicure person, but I was at a wedding in uh, Hawaii, and we went to get, the guys went to get Manny Petties also. Yeah, and I got the little cheese grater on my heel, and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> now you get it. Now I get it. A lot came off my foot, just like Top's foot. A lot came. It was scary. <laughs> I was asking them if I can do that with my cheese grater at home. They said, don't do it. Don't use your own cheese grater. I was just asking. I think that's good advice. Save myself 50 bucks. Yeah. That's right. And then they get out and they're looking all pretty, made up and everything. Toph looking cute. Katara actually really pretty. Like you don't see Katara all made up. Like I was like, oh, they're both really pretty yeah. girls. Can I be honest with you? Let me just say this. Um, I love makeup. I love colors. I love the splash. Same. I love like how transformative it can be where you're like, oh my gosh, my face looks like it's a totally different shape because this amazing makeup artist did like all this great Contouring. shading. All of that is Contouring. fascinating to me. But shout out to barefaced Katara and Toph who are just as oh, pretty. Of course, uh, of course. Uh, I mean, not that exactly. it matters. No shame in any direction. They're the prettiest but like that, sure. they're both awesome. Yes, they are amazing. But can I say when they run into the mean girls on the bridge? Mm-hmm. Why do they always come in three? <laughs> <laughs> they always come in three. Wow, great makeup. Thanks. For a clown. <laughs> But then that's what's great is that because they have already had this bonding experience of spending the day together and being like, look, we're going to have just a day. We need to like recharge and get ready for what's coming. And so we're going to do that in the spa. So they've already had this moment of them bonding. So then when this happens, they're like, oh, ta-ta-ta. Oh, you don't know who you just messed with. Those girls don't know what they're talking about. It's okay. One of the good things about being blind is that I don't have to waste my time worrying about appearances. I don't care what I look like. I'm not looking for anyone's approval. I know who I am. That's what I really admire about you, Toph. You're so strong and confident and self-assured. And I know it doesn't matter, but... You're really pretty. I am? Yeah, you are. I'd return the compliment, but I have no idea what you look like. (laughs) 
Yeah, those are benders. Don't mess with the water bender and the greatest earth bender of all time. And certainly don't be standing on a bridge made of stone over a river made Excuse of water us. if you're going to yes. insult yeah. a bender. Wrong place, Some strong, wrong tough benders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the tale of Toph and Katara. Yeah, my babies. And I love that at the end it was affirming of like, hey, but I can't see. Tears. It doesn't matter to me. Yes, like, I know who I am, and you don't get to tell me who I am. And then just having these affirming, bonding moments of, hey, I'm here for you no matter what. Mm -hmm. It's you and me together, which is essentially what that scene was when she's like, hey, like, of course you're pretty. You're my homie, and we ride or die for each other. Absolutely. I love friendship so much. Cryometer for you, Radford, in that scene. Do you get some, I definitely well love, had some happy tears. Ooh, ooh, happy tears, a little bit of the the dot, 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 dot. Oh, yeah. I love friendship. (laughs) Friendship is my favorite thing in the entire world. Friendship and teamwork. Love it, love it. All right. Well, now we move into, that's right, they sling it at us. Second in, we have our tale of Iroh. Written by Andrew Hubner. <sighs> Wonderful stuff happening here. Uh, shout out to Quentin Flynn, who plays that mugger. We open, we see that Iroh is shopping. He's sort of shopping for a basket. We don't know what the basket's for. Is it a really special occasion? Is it a specific special occasion? We don't know, but this is important. It's, an, it, you know, he, he shows us and shows the shopkeeper that it's something important. He has this wonderful moment where, again, oh, you're so right about the snapshot of just seeing the way they move through the world, right? And we already right. know how yeah. Ira moves through the world, but this is like the concentrate they may concentrate of, right? Like it's, yes. it's you see yes. him want to, you know, look, you, I care about this flower, this moonflower that wants to be yeah, in the, the partial flower. shade. And he sees things, he notices things, he cares about things that are outside mm-hmm. of himself. And uh, then we see this little crying toddler who's got the little soldier toy. Uh. And Iroh comes over playing a lucan. It's that little four-stringed instrument you see that, that you pluck on. And it's uh, mm-hmm. it's very old and very beloved. It's used to complement short or simple folk songs. And we hear for the first time in this tale, he sings this song, Leaves from the Vine, and the little kiddo, sure enough, you know, you have that moment, which I feel like we've all had when we're trying to get a kid to stop crying, like a little toddler. You're like, I'm mm. trying to do all the song and dance. Like, it may work. It may not. I've seen it not work, and I've seen it work. <laughs> so you have everyone's that moment where you're teetering on the brink. Like, the kids, if it's quiet, you're done singing. The ki- Is the kid going to... And yes, the kid does smile and is delighted, mm-hmm. pulls on Iroh's beard, and uh, and then <laughs> we see him passing through um, some kids playing soccer with earthbending. We then encounter the mugger who has this sort of twisty-shaped knife, very intimidating. Um, but but Iroh mm-hmm. is uh, not intimidated. In fact, he's actually concerned for the mugger because the mugger has a totally wrong stance. And through the process of this conversation that he has with this mugger being completely unaffected by him, he's essentially like, I don't feel like you're a thief. Like, I'm just not getting thief vibes from you, despite the fact that you're pointing a knife at me and telling me that you want my money. Um, I just don't see this for you. Like, maybe you should be a masseur. This is so great. No one has ever believed in me. While it is always best to believe in oneself, a little help from others can be a great blessing. It's just his ability to be able to, like, see the good in people. Yes. He's so wise. And again, that paying attention. And so he does. He sort of converts this thief. And then we go to sunset over the beautiful landscape, the skyline right. of Bossing Say. He's up uh, the hill at this beautiful tree. We see him placing rocks 
We see him placing incense sticks. He lights two incense sticks. We see that he has this drawing. Um, and then there's some offerings. We see some fruit, uh, a little bag, may or may not have money in it, probably does. Um, and then he sings the song again. And woo, I almost did it. Oh, I almost got ah, through it. So, okay, I'm going to get through it. Oh, no, I'm already. I'm no, yeah. so, so emotional. He sings the song again. Oh, and uh, and then, you know, at the end, we see the In Honor of Mako. Oh, God. <sighs> anyway, <you>. um, <laughs> it's so beautiful. And I know we've talked about hearing Mako sing that before. And, um, you know, your experience, Dante, working with him and of, like, you know, how embarrassed he would be to sing. You know, that he would feel yeah. a sense of like, oh, why do you want me again. to sing? You know, it's lovely to picture that. So wonderful. No, because I'm watching it again. And of course, you know, you watch it this time. First of all, it was odd to me watching it because it's like, it's second. It's such a powerful and kind of like epic moment for me in the whole series, let alone Tales yeah. of Bosnia San Diego. It came so It's number two in the oh, wait, list. I had to walk away. I don't think I've ever watched the next tale right after. I feel like every time I've ever watched it, I've like stopped and been like, right. okay, I'm going to take a break <laughs> and then I'll come back to the next tale because you want it to sort of have that space to be in your brain and your heart, you know? Totally. And then being able to whew, him sing Leeds of Vine and everything, knowing what how the, it ends, but watching it again this time, it's like the things he's doing is father stuff from the flower yeah. to yeah. the to the shade to the little kid to even teaching the, the mugger. It's the natural yes. father in him. And then oh, to go. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Dude, at I'm the so end, glad you, you highlighted that. Yeah. At the end, he's celebrating his past son. Is like, oh my, it kills you. You're like, oh, like he's being the father all day to all these things he's touching and being getting yeah. encountering. And then you see his, he's actually celebrating his son's birthday, which is, uh, kills you as a character of Makaro. Yeah. 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 Like I wish that I was able to give this to my son. And then that puts that whole song about the soldier boy yeah. right into context. And <sighs> yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, we know Iroh's background and we know that he was this great general. He was this great military leader and, you know, he's the dragon of the West and what we carry around with us, with our, you know, with our children and feeling like, we don't know enough here in this context to know, like, did his son become a soldier because he himself was a soldier? But it's just right. so complicated to have that relationship with someone you've lost and to wonder, you know, what you would be doing now if you were together and what you could have done differently and mm -hmm. would anything have changed. Yeah. Um, and just to highlight the lyrics, like, again, the lyrics are so beautiful and they're so simple. I just wanted to highlight them again. We're not going to play the song because we've already been told by everyone that every time we bring this up, they cry um, when they're listening to the podcast. And obviously, I already cried. So we're not going to play the song. But I feel like without the music, maybe just appreciating leaves from the vine falling so slow, like fragile, tiny shells drifting in the foam. Little soldier boy come marching home. Brave soldier boy comes marching home. But that first half is just so, it's so beautiful. And it kind of reminds you of, I mean, it's, I don't think there are haikus. I haven't counted the syllables, <laughs> but like it's, it works in the context of kind of one of the most lighthearted tales that we're coming right. towards. Still, you know, understanding that beauty in poetry and the beauty in the mm -hmm. poetry of nature um, is just so lovely. So, um, so that gives us our tale of Iroh. And um, whenever you're ready, Danielle, Ooh. we can all take a second. And <laughs> whenever you're ready, we can move on to Aang's tale. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, no, uh, crying, tearing, it's fine. Great, great, great. 
So now we are moving on to The Tale of Aang by Gary Shepke. Um, This is starring Andy Morris as Kenji. So this is Aang searching for a baby appa. And Aang comes up to a zoo, which of course we know, like, baby loves animals. And so meets with the zookeeper Kenji. So... There's no money because kids don't come because the zoo is kind of like a little dilapidated. It's like a little older. It's not as big and important as perhaps it used to be. There are all of these different amazing animals because obviously there are all of these beautiful hybrids and that'll be in Animal Crossing because we're going to throw that to y'all in social media. Love so it. don't worry about that. Um, and so Aang is like, hey, buddy, why don't we take all of these babies and move them to like this big open space outside of the city? I'm going to help you because I help people. I am the avatar. That is what <laughs> I do here. Um, Best of intentions. <laughs> Look, this baby is nothing but good intentions and they don't necessarily always work because like impulse control, Uh who has that? (laughs) But so that is the intention. And so, of course, blowing that whistle, getting ready for the animals to go follow and then the gates open and he's created a stampede. Let's do it. Say again. There's a big open space right outside the walls of the city. But how are you going to transport all these wild critters? Don't worry. I'm great with animals. And now you have to, like, corral and contain all of these animals. And But what's great about that is, like, you get to see these great scenes of basically Aang is like a shepherd. Yeah. Like, yeah. he is shepherding them. Doing his air scooty scoot. He is shepherding all of these babies into their new location. For one thing, it'll make them happier, he knows. And another thing, like maybe you'll be able to get kids back in the park when parents aren't like, that ghetto. Uh-huh. I don't want to bring my kids to that ghetto zoo. Um, and so then combining that, and obviously we're in Earth, so he's doing some Earth bending. And then bam, beautiful new park places for all of the animals to hang out but (laughs) because the way that the whistle works it's not just the animals that are in the zoo it's not just the wild animals it winds up calling like every animal i feel like in like a mile radius the avatar extra blew it he Uh used his air Uh bender and by the way did we know before this that the air bison whistle was going to work for all animals no idea he didn't know he had that magical Mm -hmm. power for all animals yeah No, but look, it is now. But it's great because then all the babies kind of like learn to get along and they're all like happy. They're like relaxing. They're in this beautiful new open wide area. And then obviously before they get there, come on. Some animals gonna eat them cabbages. <laughs> the cabbage merchants are there. And the dude is literally like, Mike. You know what I'm going to say. Doesn't even give us on my cabbages. It's like, you know what's happening here. Oh, forget it. Poor cabbage merchant. I mean, the last time we saw him when his cabbages were destroyed and there was the cabbage slug and he was just trying to get into Bossing (laughs) Say, he was still sitting down and two guards picked him up and took him away seated. And it was like, oh, he's having a nervous breakdown. (laughs) So I'm glad that he's bounced back. Unfortunately, he bounced back only to have the rabbi roo, rabbit kangaroo munching away on those cabbages. And yeah, you're right, Danielle. It's like, 
He knows where this is going. And maybe it's almost like someone said, like, your blood pressure is really high when you scream my cabbages <laughs> and you're going to need to go ahead when you feel that urge coming. Take a deep breath. <laughs> you know, and so he's like, my cat. Oh, forget it. (laughs) Yeah. Breathe. Breathe. breathe, Get that blood pressure down, poor cabbage merchant. Yeah, love that. And love the dragonflies that are also lizards, even though I think their name is still just simple dragonfly that are buzzing around, wreaking havoc. Really fun little snapshots of different animals in those vignettes within the vignette episode. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love all of the different animal hybrids that we get and like all of the different ways they can express themselves. But yeah, again, it's one of those ones where we get to see the core of everyone, including Cabbage Merchant being like, I can't even say the word cabbages right now. If I say the word cabbages right now, I'm going to lose it. When he first said he was going to do it and he was good at it, I assumed he was going to move one animal at a time. But then I was like, oh, he's not going one animal at a time. possibly go wrong? He's doing all of them. And yeah, who knew that air bison whistle was all encompassing? Mm-hmm. He's the Pied Piper with that. He is the Pied Piper. Good look. Very good point. 100% the Pied Piper. And then again, watching all of the, and you're right, because he turns it from being like a zoo, which is a little like jail for animals into like, no, this is a rescue. Now we have an animal rescue. Now we have like this beautiful wonderland and all the zookeeper is like so grateful. Yeah. And then uh, I think this is the last episode that the cabbage merchant is technically in other than being mentioned in the Ember Island players. If I'm really? unless I'm mistaken, I think this is our beloved James C. Uh, shout out to James, who we love, love, love. Always shout fun to, to have a moment with him on screen or off. Yes. Uh, well, that takes us to the tale of Sokka, Dante Bosco. Here we are. We're at the tale of Sokka, written by Laura McMullen, and it's guest starring uh, Melinda Clark as Madame Mahmoud Ling. So we got Sokka in a very cool shot, moseying around bossing, say, solo. In the evening with his boomerang, he's just kind of throwing it out there. He's coming back. I'm like, this guy's cool as anything, walking around by himself, <laughs> bossing, say. And then, of course, as Sokka does, he just gravitates towards some girls, some pretty girls. And they happen to be doing a poetry reading, a poetry haikus. I mean, Sokka gets into more situation with girls than anybody in the whole show 100%. And so he's just at the window gazing and he's not even really trying to make a he's just appreciating the poetry. He even says, "Ah, oh, poetry," which poetry, which is cool cuz I, I guess you think Sokka would like poetry. You know, smart guy, he's into all higher minded things. I was just something I was like, "Oh, that's real Sokka for him to actually like poetry." That yeah. makes sense. And mm. then he gets kicked in the rear, which <laughs> how he ends up there. What he says, you know, gets kicked through the window and he's on stage. First of all, it was all girls. It was a girls' night. Sometimes yes. in you know the poetry lounges and spoken, it's girls' night. Uh-huh. And he kind of like barges in on a girls' night reading, and here he is. And so he quickly finds himself in a uh, haiku poetry battle, a slam, uh-huh. if you yeah, would. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Which at this time when this was happening, I remember when we were doing it, I was a little jealous of Jack because I, for people that know my background, I'm part of the whole poetry scene. Yes. And I started the Poetry Lounge in LA and I'm like, you're doing a poetry episode? You let Jack do the poetry episode? What the? <laughs> <laughs> five, seven, then five. Syllables mark a haiku. Remarkable oaf. They call me Sokka. That is, in the water tribe. I am not an oaf. (laughs) 
But nonetheless, he was so uh, wonderful. Not fair. I get it. But no, it was. It was definitely like a mom spaghetti moment. Oh, totally. And he is going off, oh, by the way. It. He's doing he's a great. fantastic job. Yeah. He kills it right up until the end. He had some right fire lines, some fire punch end. lines. Like in his paddle, canoe haiku, and, and Sokka spanking himself. <laughs> like, I'll paddle your canoe and paddle mine too yes. or something. Such exactly. a wonderful, wonderful episode. And I've written haikus and I've done these haikus. They're hard. They're yeah. intricate. Yes. They're hard. Five, seven, five syllables and making sense out of it. And they're going mm-hmm. fast. It was like a freestyle battle. It was really yes, high rap slam poetry. That's why I stick to prose. Free verse for you, Danielle. Free verse. Thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, they're going back and forth. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the tale, Sokka's trying to do the last thing. He thinks he's doing well in his haiku rap. And then, sadly, the last line is one syllable too many, which mm-hmm. gets him tossed out by the bouncer, who sounds a lot like Kevin Michael Richardson. That's right, I'm Sokka. It's pronounced with an Akka. Young ladies, I rocked ya. Uh, that's one too many syllables there, bub. We don't know. KMR could be anywhere. It sounded like him. Oh, that is a true story. That's a true story. You never know. You'll look something up and you'll be like, that's who that is. Just a classic voiceover yep. actor, yep. actor of anything. One of those classic like, oh, that guy. Yes. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I love that. And I loved how cocky he was on that last line. Like, he was like, oh, I know I won this. And it was like, one syllable too many, One my dude. Yeah. If he just gotten rid of the young, if he just said, ladies, I rocked you, that's five syllables. But he yeah. just said once. Yeah. Happens to the best from Sokka. I love how um, incredibly apt he is at just sort of going off the cuff uh, and hitting some sweet, sweet yes. haikus. Um, our next tale is the tale of Zuko, written oh, by Katie Matilda. Wonderful tale. <laughs> It's a wonderful tale. It guest stars Marcella Lentz-Pope as Jin. We start out in the tea house. Zuko seems very sure that this girl who's looking at them must know. She's looking at them because they are firebenders. She must know they're Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. And Iroh is, has to correct him and say, you know, I think you're reading differently into this than you should be. She just has a crush on you. And sure enough, Jin comes up. She's very bold. Uh, she introduces herself. You know, I'm so glad she does all this because I think we all know that Zuko would not have even, he's yeah, not living ew. in this space right now. So to have someone she's kind very of, forward. The girls these days are very modern. I love it. What's your name? My name's Lee. My uncle and I just moved here. Hi, Lee. My name's Jin. Thank you, and, well, I was wondering if you would like to go out sometime. He'd love to. Great. I'll meet you in front of the shop at sundown. And then we fast forward to sundown, and I gotta give a Big shout out to Zuko's slicked down, middle parted hair. Yeah, very traditional, uncle. very cute. But... His uncle was trying to hook him up. It was <laughs> not the best look, Unc, but I get what you were going for. The good news is she just gets in there and is like, uh huh, and then <laughs> it busts his hair, and then that's over. And he's got his little Yay. punk rock hair again, and it's great. Short lived, nice moment, but I'm glad that it goes back to how it was before. And when they're out on their date together, um, they the one of the servers refers to her as Zuko's girlfriend. Excuse me, sir. Would you and your girlfriend care for dessert? She is not my girlfriend! Super awkward. She's trying to talk to him to get to know him a little. He's giving these like really evasive answers and just trying to avoid anything real um, for obvious reasons. It's complicated. Yeah. (laughs) Complicated. 
you know, she's like, oh, he says we're part of a traveling circus. She's like, oh, can you teach me how to juggle? And you're like, oh, this is why we don't make up complicated lies, because someone will ask us to immediately show we're, off our talents. We're carnies. And she gives him some stuff to juggle. I guess he hasn't been practicing much. Fire Nation got talent. Yeah. yeah. So, But you know what? The date's not over, even though... Zuko is conducting himself in a slightly not great date way. They still make it all the way to the firelight fountain. And Jin's so excited to show it to him. And of course, it's not lit. And she's disappointed. And here Zuko has been avoiding, strenuously, carefully avoiding doing any kind of firebending up until this moment. And I love mm. that this gesture, because we have the background of how important it is to, for him to stay hidden and having the accusations be made that he's a firebender and all that stuff. But still, it's like, well, we don't even know if he likes this girl. I mean, yes, he's continuing on right. the date with her, but does he like her? Well, he has her close her eyes and he lights up all of the lanterns. And I feel like that's the, Good move, the biggest gesture mm. short of the thing that's about to happen. This big gesture of like, oh, he likes her. He wouldn't do this if he didn't mm. want to see her reaction when we get to see this beautiful firelight fountain, which is much more than mm -hmm. a fountain, right? It's this whole enclosure of just like absolute beauty that's made so gorgeous by him tossing his little fire, which again, every time he does something like that, I'm like, they generate fire. It's not like they just find some water on the ground, like in waterbed. They make fire where there was none, which is so yes. cool. Yes. That's some superhero stuff. I love firebending so much. And she looks and she's Barney. enraptured. Luckily, she doesn't ask too many questions. Um, she just is so amazed that it's happened. And they have this moment where she kind of leans in. I have something for you, too. Now it's your turn to close your eyes. Then she kisses him. And we're all like, oh, she's bold. But it like breaks apart for a second. And then Zuko goes <gasps> in for the kill. Yeah. He's well, into hey, it. Get he starts it, kissing her back. And then he breaks it off. What's wrong? It's complicated. I have to go. And then you said it, Danielle. He's got to bust out with the it's complicated, which nobody ever wants to hear when they're trying to get with somebody. Oh, it's complicated. And you just know that he's like that mysterious boy that she's going to think about all the time where yeah. it's like, what happened to yeah. that hottie? Yes, he indeed. made fire. Like, what happened? Oh, and he thinks about her every now and then, too, Danielle. He thinks about her every now and then. <laughs> That's the right. You give the people what they want for that mysterious boy. You oh. let us know, Dante. I'm officially swooning. Oh, it's, so it's good. Yeah. Danielle yeah. swooning. We get oh. Zuko back home. You know, when he kind of storms in classic Zuko style, you know, because sort of Mm -hmm. storms past Iroh, very teenager-like, goes into the room, slams the door, <gasps> and then, uh-oh, there's humanity. It slides open. How was your night, Prince Zuko? It was nice. It was nice. It was nice. Ah, Wasn't so bad. That moment of like he slams the door, then he opens it back up, and he's like, 
It was nice. And then he yeah. closed it again. It's like, our sweet little boy, we love you so much. You're so dark. <laughs> it's such a part of the journey, though. Like these moments yeah. with, you know, the experience that he has had with a family who's two different people who bring him in and give him shelter and talk about their experiences yes. with the Fire Nation and treat him like a person and don't place those expectations of him as the prince on him. Yes. And, you know, he gets to be treated like the way his mom treated him in a way, you know, yeah. and that's why all of these moments come together to make this, you know, grand hero's journey that people say is one of the best character arcs in television and in film, too. No. It's like these people are all building a little by little onto this idea of like what his life could look like and how people could treat him and how he could engage with the world in a totally different way. And it's scary and it's hard. And there's a lot going on because it's complicated. Because it's, but- complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. But I think it's, this is like he's like a lot of these characters. They're on a path, a great path, whatever it is that they have to do. They're on just yeah. something great and big, bigger yeah. than themselves to a degree. But yeah. this is one of the only months where you get to see him as just like this 16 year old kid that yes. this is a kid on a date. And you kind of get to see Zuko just being that for for a moment, which is really, really beautiful. And like you said, Janet, like he doesn't have to like be anyone's expectations. He gets to be like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, I don't know. Like, oh, dates are weird. She's not my girlfriend. And it doesn't have to be. Don't ever proclaim that on the first date when you're out with someone. Like, just don't (laughs) proclaim that in a restaurant. There's no need for that. Look, you heard from the man himself. So, Well, the one thing that Zuko... uh, did find out a lesson for everybody out there that if a girl is bold enough to ask you out, she is bold enough to kiss you also. Like, mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. I'm like, Jen is like asking guys out, leaning in for, she's not waiting to get kissed. I'm going to kiss you. Go for it, Jen. I love her. Mm-hmm. She's wonderful. And then when he goes in and kisses back, mwah, mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our final tale, the tale of a certain someone. Danielle, who are we talking about? Oh, my baby. Um, So this is the tale of Momo written by Justin Ridge and Giancolo Volpe. Um, So everyone is like, where's Appa? Where's Appa? Like, we're like looking for our baby. And so Momo is dreaming that they are like eating peaches and like they're in the sky and they're having this fantastic time. And then all of a sudden he wakes up. Because it's like thundering and it's starting to like rain and it's getting really gross outside. And of course he goes and like hides. And then when he comes back, he's like, what's happening? Like he's looking at the shadows. Is that Appa? Like what is going on? Everywhere he goes in town, like a tree, other places, everything reminds him of everyone's little special baby boy. Um, And so he's like sad. And while he's doing this, people start and animals start like being like, Hey, we can probably get this dude. (laughs) Like he goes to go drink some water. All of a sudden some pygmy pumas come out and they're like, you look like a tasty snack. Jerks. Don't you know he a hero? What's wrong with you? Um, And so then they start chasing him and he goes away. And so then he is grabbed and snagged while he's on this chase. And all of a sudden it's like, and this is very cute. There's like these performing <laughs> dancing monkeys. And he's like, I dance too. I'm also cool. <laughs> he was getting down. And he gets in there and he busts he up. He was getting down. I he was love getting... his dancing so much. Put a little hat on him. <laughs> but then as that happens, the Pumas find him. Jerks. Yeah. And then he winds up getting three of them. Three of them. 
Puma. Oh, no, 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 no. Because it takes a village to take him down. That's true. And then they drag him and he winds up being dragged. They pin him on the ground. And then animal control shows up and you're like, okay, cool. Someone's going to take care of these babies and they're going to make sure they're okay. No, they get thrown in a cage and then it turns out they're being brought to a butcher. Yeah, were they going to eat these animals, pumas and the lemurs? I think so. It seems like it. It seems Mm. like they're about to get eaten. It's not great. But you know what? Our boy, too smart for that nonsense, he gets the key, unlocks it, gets himself up out of that nonsense and frees everyone. And then, crying because he's such a good baby, he sees that the pumas are also scared and he's like, okay, I guess you guys can come. Mm. Because he has such a pure soul and a pure spirit. And so then by the time the people come back, the cages are empty. We're gone. Scudoots. We hate you. And so now they're all buds, which is fantastic. And then that leads to a giant footprint, which is like, oh, that's got to be Appa. Like, that's got to be like Appa's foot. And so then he just like crawls up into it Mm -mm, and cuddles and holds himself. Oh, I'm doing it. And cuddles and holds himself as the rain is pouring down and he is sad about his homie. Yes, indeed. No, absolutely not. 100% no. Oh, (laughs) no. And that's such a share me the details moment when Momo, I would say that the parallel to that, you know, you sort of see these moments where he's trying so hard to connect and he's got that little tuft of Appa hair that he has, like it's a little blanky almost. And so, you know, we see him with it at the end curling up inside that footprint. But like when he's inside the cave, that little moment Mm -hmm. where he's like locked up and he takes the fur and he rubs it against his face, like that's going to make him feel better for being in the cage. Best cheer me the details moment of the tale of Momo, in my opinion. It's heartbreaking, but it's so sweet. And like, they didn't need to do that. You know what I mean? They didn't need to give mm-hmm. him that moment of like rubbing it against his cheek. And I just love that that's in there, although it is a major crying moment for me. Oh, because so much of this section of the vignettes is like, there's no dialogue. It's just watching the world through Momo's eyes. Yes. Um, so universal. Yes. And it's all in the sound, the animation, the the expression that the animators are able to create on all of these characters' faces, the way they are able to tell stories using the characters' bodies that remind you that like, hey, like not every cartoon would be able to do this because not every animation team like has the time or is able to do the things that that's why we love the average verse because like there is so much care and detail and direction and everything that we're seeing and this is such a perfect part of it and oh yeah crying oh, yeah yeah it's lovely I mean, when we got through the zuko tell you're like oh it's great that's the whole gang and then all of a sudden pops up like the tell of momo i was like oh Okay, you can't forget about Momo, right? You're uh-huh. Because like, I think it was a surprise. Uh-huh. It was a surprise <laughs> yeah. the first time I watched it. Don't yeah. forget about Momo. That's a great point. And then, of course, he's dreaming. And so you're like, okay, that answers the question. Like, do lemurs dream? I guess they do. And they're dreaming of peaches. That's what's going <laughs> yep. on. Yeah, And hanging out with their best friend. That's great. And then, of course, just that last image of Momo curled in a fetal position in the, in the paw print is just so epic and so heartbreaking but very hopeful because then we know Appa's around we feel some hope feeling poetic appreciate structured art our place awaits you Madame Makmu Ling offers you a haiku school it's beyond compare 
Its name is too long for a single haiku line. Good luck finding us. Um, okay, I want to do a quick one question quiz. Does anyone know who Madame Makmu Ling, the instructor of the 575, aka haiku, society in the tale of Sokka, is named after? Madame Makmu Ling hmm. is named after. No Lauren McMullen. Lauren McMullen. Oh, oh yeah. Lauren McMullen. Do it. Shout out to Lauren. Very oh, cool. Amazing. Uh, love that. Yep. I love that little piece of trivia. Um, wanted to share that with you guys. Of course, I had to turn it into a quiz so that you felt pressure. Um, <laughs> okay. So for Animal Crossing, of course, we asked social media to help us identify all of those many animals that we see um, at the zoo with Aang. And here's the answers that we got. Here, Well, we just grabbed a couple because we got a ton of answers and you guys are amazing and we love you. Um, at AELB625 says, cat dogs, rabaroo, hog monkeys, platypus bear, tiger dillo, turtle seal, dragonfly, elephant mandrill, uh, Gemsbach bull. I'm sure I said that wrong. Uh, dogs, cats, uh, at MB1316 says platypus bear, hog monkey, hummingbird lizard, or some kind of dragonfly, baboon ox, tiger dillo, rabaroo, turtle seal, bull goat. I don't even know what the cats and dogs are. According to Avatar Wiki, we've got dragonfly, elephant mandrel, Gemsbach bull, hog monkey, platypus bear, rabaroo, tiger dillo, and turtle seal. Yeah, the dragonflies actually sort of look like flying dragons. Um, I think that's why they're called dragonflies. Anyway, great work, everybody. You know, this is why I love fandom. I love fans because y'all really pay attention in a way that like the rest of us, y'all are into it. Good They work. know more than me, Danielle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so let's quickly just discuss, you know, this is a very unusual episode. We're not necessarily seeing a ton of bending. We're not necessarily seeing a ton of forward moving action. Like you were saying, it's not about like Azula and the battle and this and who saved who. Um, but I'm curious uh, if you have thoughts on who had the most valuable bending moment in this episode. What tale is it in and who? And then also who has the most valuable non-bending moment? Uh, well, hmm. most valuable non-bending moment is them lips meeting. It's about that kiss, baby. That is the most valuable non-bending moment. Um, do you do your own lip smacking when that happens? I assume you all do your own lip smacking when that you happens. You kiss your hand. You kiss the back you of your hand. You kiss your hand, yeah. You kiss the back of your hand. Oh, yeah. like how I used to practice when I was a baby. Exactly. Um, exactly. And then when it comes to the most valuable bending moment, I got to say it's tough. Yeah. Like oh, as far as the bending goes. Just doing her thing and then getting those girls Just doing that the- revenge. Yeah. Uh huh. I like that, Danielle. I like that, Danielle. I'm gonna go with you on the first thing you said, but I think the most valuable moment is when Zuko does his little fire thing for Jin. Oh, very nice. Ooh, a lot of valuable coming from the tale of Zuko. I'm starting to wonder if maybe a certain someone's favorite tale might be the tale of Zuko. Is that no, no? But the most valuable non-bending, I think, is Uncle Harold singing. Yeah. Lead from the vine. I think it's the most valuable. I would say doing it for himself and sort of communing with his son in the last one is wonderful. But it's almost like the one where he makes the kiddo stop crying is almost the yeah. a yeah. more favorite just because it had an immediate effect on a little kid. And, you know, it's like it brought him joy and he got to feel mm. like he had that, you know, that interaction and he delighted a, a little toddler. I love that, too. I love the kiss as well. It's almost like you could pick a moment from each one of these tales because they're all the, like many totally. episodes. You really can. 
Yeah. Um, I do love the bending of the girls into the water. It's very difficult not to go for that as well because that's just some good revenge. <laughs> That's just some good yeah. revenge. By the way, shout out to Tara Strong, who's one of the voices in there, who doesn't necessarily always play the like, you're awesome. I give him just a rude yeah. girl. Um, <laughs> all right, friends. Well, that takes us to the end of this episode, the end of our conversation about the tales of Bossing Say. We could talk about it forever. Perhaps we will talk about it some more in another episode. And Danielle, thank you so much for being with us again. Where can people find you? Tell us all that good stuff. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was such a blast. Again, uh, watch The Honest Trailers. Those come out every Tuesday. If you want to know what I'm doing, um, you can find my stuff. Uh, I'll usually like promote things on my Twitter. Also, hey, if you really enjoy, I do stuff on Dimension 20. I do a lot of their D&D stuff. Like I was in this thing called Misfits and Magic, which was really fun. You know, improv meets that. I Love. would not suggest watching it if you were under the age uh, of being able to watch an R-rated movie. Though. Just because language. Sure. Understood. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Danielle. It was fun. Oh, thank you so much. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Avatar Braving the Elements. And hey, make sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a review. All of that really helps the podcast so much. Next week, we're talking about the most hysterical moments of Avatar with none other than comedian Ron Funches. You can follow me on social media at the JV Club on Instagram and at Janet Varney on Twitter. And I'm at Dante Bosco on both of those. We'll see you next Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.